0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder for Mets Marise. We have a very special guest with us today. Uh, executive producer of The Simpsons, uh, co-creator of F is for Family, and rabid Mets fan, Michael Price. What's up, Mike?
1: Hi Tim, how are
0: you? Doing fantastic, man. Thanks for, thanks for coming on.
1: Sure, I'm very thrilled. I'm just here in my little bunker, <laughs> my <laughs> Zoom bunker in my house. So any chance to... Uh... Do something fun. It's great.
0: Oh man, yeah, uh, very, very much appreciated. So you have a lot going on right now, I guess. Uh, even though you're in, a, we're all kind of uh, stuck in place. Um, you guys have a new season of Epics for Family* coming out. Um, I, I assume you guys are still working on *The Simpsons* as we uh, as we move along.
1: Yes, yes, we are. Uh, uh, we are now in, uh, I think, maybe week twelve of writing *The Simpsons*. You know, via uh, Zoom conferencing so uh and we're producing it you know animation uh thankfully is one of the things that can still be being produced right now you know they're not really making live action stuff right now but we're able to continue producing the show so uh we'll be uh, we just finished our season the other night but we'll be back i think probably in late september with all new shows and just continue on through next year at, at
0: least great just keep plugging away um any any sort of adjustment period as far as uh writing sessions through zoom yeah
1: it was really weird at first uh but you know largely what we do is when we're there we're all in a room together just sitting around a table talking to each other so uh you know it was just very strange and odd and like all the i mean everyone is on zoom now so i'm sure everyone listening to this will understand like the whole thing with your background and, you know, the noises and making sure you're wearing the right headphones or not. Like, that took a little while, and a little while sort of learning not how to step on top of each other or talk over each other and all that weirdness, you know. Um, But now it it feels very normal now, and we're able to continue working the way we always have, and I think we're turning out some really good scripts, and, uh, well, you guys will be the judge (laughs) when (laughs) when they come on TV. But, uh, uh, you know, we feel feel good. Uh, On the production side is where it's been stranger uh, because we have these table reads uh, in the normal times where we'd all get together in a big conference room with the actors and the entire staff, and we were allowed to bring guests, and we hear the um, new script being read aloud. Uh, So we can't do that anymore. So we've been doing those on Zoom, uh, and that was a little strange to get used to, but now we're sort of used to doing that. Uh, and, And the actors are no longer coming in to record their parts um, in our recording studio but they've been outfitted with professional microphone equipment in their homes so they're turning like areas of their homes into little recording studios and uh, you know i mean if if this if this horrible thing had happened 15 or 20 years ago we'd not be able to do it like we're doing it now but you know thankfully we live in this uh, in a technology age where we're able to do all these things remotely and oh, actually I the show remotely. The animators could all work from home on on their tablet computers and were able to make it happen.
0: So cool. I mean, you know, at least there's some positives coming out of this very, very considerable negative. Um how how prevalent or how important is the the team mentality when you guys are producing television shows, producing scripts, um, just creating? How important is that and uh I guess you know there's always a little overlap between life and baseball. <laughs> At least that's what I found. But that team mentality has to—it's got to it, it's gotta be an important facet of the process, right?
1: Absolutely, yes. I mean, especially, um, well, any 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 production of any kind, if film or, or TV, you know, is a huge team effort, um, and our show is is no different. But when it comes down to writing, specifically a comedy show, it's all about teamwork. It's all about you're in a room together and and you're all sort of pulling together to come up with the the best line, the best script, come up with the best story. Uh, It's all about teamwork. Uh, You know, it's a a group of individuals all working together towards a common goal and trying to make each other laugh and trying to get the the right lines. Uh, I will say in my other, you know, on the Simpsons, I'm one of the staff. I've been there a long time, but I'm just essentially one of the guys, and gals, you know, pitching jokes and, you know, and trying to get stuff going. Uh when on for family, uh, I am the I'm the I'm kind of like the manager, you know, I'm the Louis Rojas <laughs> of Epheser family, uh where I'm running everything. I'm I'm the showrunner. So I'm really uh I'm in charge of the writing staff. I'm also uh, you know, overseeing like editing and uh giving notes on animation. And that's where I feel like um the most like kind of like a baseball manager where uh, I remember reading about um, – I've been doing a lot of reading lately, especially last year, you know, about uh, the 69 Mets uh, mm-hmm. and how great Gil Hodges was. And um, and all the all the players would talk about – I read Ron Sabota's book, which was really great. But he would talk about how, like, Gil Hodges was really great on, like, sort of identifying everyone and making sure that they all – are contributing and understanding that this guy's good for this situation. This guy's good for that situation. And that's how I kind of feel like I'm being the showrunner of episode family where, uh, you know, everyone has their strengths. Some people might have a weakness here or there. So I'm trying to find the right combination of stuff and, you know, can find the right person to work on this particular script. This script would be good for that guy. This script would be good for that person. And, you know, trying to make sure that also feel that everyone feels appreciated and that uh, you know, they're all contributing and we're all pulling together and, you know, I guess our version of the World Series would be to go to the Emmys or something like that. You know. But we're all about trying to get the show together and get it on get it out and get it done and, and put it up on on Netflix for everybody to enjoy.
0: Now, do you ever have to like uh pull a, a Terry Collins and kinda of go with the hot <laughs> hand? And the, I know you were mentioning you kinda of have to find the right people for the right spot. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. I mean, yeah. I mean well everyone
1: has everyone has good days and bad days. When you're in a writer's room, so, you know, sometimes you come in there and you're, like, ready to, you're really hot and you're throwing out amazing jokes after one another, but maybe some other days you're not feeling so good or, you know, maybe you're, whatever reason, you're having a little trouble at home, you know, so I might say to that person like that, you know, like, well, why don't you go work on this other thing or or whatever or just understand that maybe today's not their best day and not, you know, not lose, lose uh, sleep over it, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, You talk about Terry in the hot hand, boy. I know we'll get to the Mets in a little bit, but uh, I was at that I was at that last World Series game in uh, as, at City Field. You know, the oh. Game Five of the World Series, where uh, boy, I still don't know. I still don't know. Uh, I was there. I w- I felt like I felt like um, with Matt Harvey that uh, I think that if if the way Matt Harvey had pitched that game, if if Familia had come out to start the Whatever that was, the ninth inning, like the whole place would have gone. They would have burned the place down. So
0: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of darned if you do, darned if you don't. There, um, yeah. But it, boy, it could have, uh, it could have altered the uh, the trajectory of what was going on with this franchise a whole bunch if things turned out just a little differently. And then that's you know that's Different. Terry. Terry loved his players, but sometimes to a fault. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you could say the conventional wisdom is that. You know, he maybe may did the right thing, letting Harvey start the inning, but he should have pulled him sooner, you know, as soon as yeah. uh, the first guy got on. But, uh, oh, well.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> too late to do anything now. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Now, you, Mike, you've been, you've been a fan of – a Mets fans, you know, growing up in New Jersey since, since you could yeah. follow baseball. Uh, who was your favorite yes. player growing up?
1: Growing up, it was probably uh, Buddy Harrelson. Uh I remember uh yeah I went to my very first Mets game when I was very very little uh in 1968 uh my dad took me um and then I didn't go again in 69 I wasn't I, I mean I, I kind of went cuz it was a thing to do but I didn't become a fan until after 69 when they won the World Series and then after that it was just I was in I was all in, you know, who <laughs> knew that it would be many, many years <laughs> before they would win another World Series. But um, I love Buddy Harrelson. I got to, he was one of the first players I ever saw in The Flash because he did a, an autograph signing uh, at like a bank opening somewhere in New Jersey. Uh, it was him and Rick Wise for some reason. They were next <laughs> to each other sitting at a table signing pictures. And so that was really exciting. I loved him. And I, I remember. Uh, Listening on the radio because I, I couldn't watch TV, but it was the '73 NLCS when he got in that fight with Pete Rose, and listening on the radio and like you know cheering on Buddy. To-
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's always the best when the, when the you know baseball announcers or hockey announcers they could just flip that switch and turn into boxing announcers just like that when a fight breaks out. It's very very entertaining.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, I, I guess '73, of course, that was a, a high point, especially for a Buddy Harrelson fan, but. How dark were the post-Tom post Seaver years? Oh, my
1: God. Oh, my God. So dark. So dark. <laughs> but we still went. You know, we still went. It was like an hour drive to get from – I grew up in South Plainfield, New Jersey, which is in Middlesex County. So it's about an hour drive from, from Shea to there. And we would still go. Um, my dad would take us, and then I got to be able to drive my own car or whatever. I would, we would still go a couple of games a year, even in those dark years, like – 77, 78, 79. I mean, they really didn't get good until, you know, uh, 83 or so. But um, I remember going to these games where it was hardly anybody there, but we still go. And the thing we used to do is that we would buy, like, because we we weren't rich or anything, so we would buy, like, cheap seats. We'd buy, like, upper deck seats. And then um, at Shea, and then we'd walk in, And then we'd go down to the field level area and there'd be those ushers there with the red hat, the orange hats, you know. And, uh, and we'd talk to the usher and we'd say, like, hey, listen, is there any way you could help us out? Like, get us, get us, like, nicer seats. And usually, if you gave them a little, (laughs) a couple of dollars, they would do it. So I remember one time we did that and there was like four of us and we're like, well, can you help us out? And, uh, the guy said, uh, he said, Step into my office, which was behind a pole. So we went to a little pole, and I forget how much money we gave him. We each gave him a couple of bucks, whatever, and then he got us seats like way down, way down front, like box seats, like sort of near the Mets dugout. Uh, so those are those are the good old days. When you oh, could do they,
0: that. Oh, they would keep on doing it. They up until Shea closed. I mean, it was a lot. It was a lot stricter, but. Um, yeah. That was always the case. And it was great. And my dad showed me that growing up. He's like, watch this. And same thing. You have tickets <laughs> up in the red seats. And, oh, watch this. And you took yeah. the guy 10 bucks and we're in the, uh, we're, you know, we're right on top of yeah. the duck. It's like, ah, a, re- a hero's yeah, I welcome.
1: I remember my dad because a couple of times um, we had a very tangential, very, very tangential connection to a guy in the Giants. Uh, my mom's cousin, husband, grew up in Brooklyn with Joe Torrey and his brother, Frank Torrey, and um, this guy named Don McMahon, who was a pitcher for the Giants and then became the pitching coach for the Giants in the 70s. So um, he was still really close friends with this guy. So whenever the Giants came to play the Mets, this guy, Don McMahon, would get uh, uh, our, my, whatever. He was sort of like my uncle-in-law, whatever. Um, His name is Nick. Uh, get him these good seats. It'd be like the box seats that were kind of behind the, the Giants dugout. So we would go to those seats for free, which was great. But uh, and my dad, my, my dad wasn't rich or anything like that. So he always, but he he liked to save money. So we would go there and get those get get, get those amazing seats. I remember that was my first real game. Was one of those games where we got those seats, and then uh, we also had like those seats also had like tickets to get into the Diamond Club restaurant. Oh yeah. So- we went to the Diamond Club, and I was like, this is so exciting. And we had a hamburger or whatever, and this is 1970 or 71, you know, and um, my coat my came, and it was, like, $3 or $4, and my dad just almost, like, had a stroke, <laughs> <laughs> how much expensive it was. He was like, oh, Jesus Christ, oh, $4 for a car, oh, my God. So then uh, we had it anyway, and then we went down to the seats, and then that usher came down, and he had that little cloth where he would, like, pull the seat down and wipe it and everything, but he was expecting a tip. Uh I think my dad tipped him, but now I was like, Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs>
0: <kid." You know? laughs> oh, it's great. But that was you know, that, that what was what ballpark was all about. You go there and, you know, you have these memories of the silly stuff. It's great. Yeah. Now um uh, you know, I was too young to really grasp it all, but uh what were your memories of eighty six? Seeing them kinda mm. to prominence.
1: Oh my god, what a what a year. <laughs> i didn't go to i didn't go to too many games that year because i was really busy uh i was working uh i got out of college and i was working so uh but i had, didn't have a whole lot of money i think it was in 86 uh i went to a game in the middle of the year and it was since became famous because it was one of the games where um a guy hit a hit a, a good and started the game i think but um a guy hit a ball really hard. I think it might have been against the Giants. And this guy, uh, the pitcher with him is Terry Mulholland. And he got the I ball, caught think... his glove, and he threw the glove with the ball in it to, to the first baseman to, to get the out. Uh, <laughs> so that game, if anybody's looking, if anybody like, searching around, you can find when that game was. Um, but once they got into the playoffs, I, m- I remember there was a guy who was a little bit older than me. I was At that time, I was still still in New Jersey, and I was working. Uh, I was a teacher at a high school but uh at night i was working at a theater company in metuchen new jersey called the forum theater where i was working on shows and this guy was in the show and he was a big Mets fan and uh this was when you know they were doing great and he said to me he was like he's like let's just savor this let's just savor this because you know this may never they may never be this good again and i was young enough to to say basically said no this is going to be it every year it's going to be like this every year now you know but he was right His name was Carl, but he was like, yeah, just really savor this because you never know. But, uh, so we were working on a show at the time during the whole playoffs, uh, and the world series, I was working on a show at night. So we were kind of just catching glimpses of the games whenever we could. And I had one of those little tiny, little Panasonic, like super, super tiny little black and white TVs that I could carry around and watch whenever I could and listen to the games. And it was just, uh, thrilling of course. Uh, and, uh. And for game six of the World Series, the Buckner game, uh, that was a Saturday. And we had a show that night. And I was the stage manager, which meant that I, I would sit up in the uh, the balcony of this theater. And I had to watch the show and, like, call all the what's called the sound cues and the light cues and do all that and sort of run the whole thing. But I knew the show so well that I could sort of do it without having to look up too much at the show. So I had my little TV on watching <laughs> watching game six. <laughs> the show was going on on stage. And I did okay. But then the game was going really late because it went as extra innings. And we all went out to a restaurant to watch the end of it. And and I'll never forget, we were there in this restaurant in Metasha, New Jersey called Crying's. And um, there were these people at the next table over who were Red Sox fans. And uh, when the Red Sox that lead in the top of the 10th inning, they were all really just super peacocking and really happy and everything. And and they were making jokes about Mookie Wilson's name, and I was saying, "Yeah, what kind of name is Spico?" And I remember, like, <laughs> <laughs> what What's the hell
0: is Oil Can Boyd?
1: Uh, no, right, yeah, Oil Can Boyd. And then, and then it all happened. It all just, it all just transpired, and we just couldn't, couldn't believe it. And, and it was so exciting. And I remember driving home really late because the game ended. It was like close to midnight, I think, when the game ended, and um, driving back to my place and listening to like the post-game show on, um, I guess it was WHN back then, with Howie Rose, uh, I think we still had the post-game show then, and just listening to it, and everybody talking about it, and Rusty Staub was on, and just super thrilling, super thrilling. Um, and then the, the the only thing that was very anticlimactic was that the next game, the next day was Sunday, game seven, got rained out um so then game seven was going to be on a monday and monday was another rehearsal for another show i was working on that was open that that week and so we couldn't watch the could barely watch the game and uh it was a musical and this guy was playing the piano had the little tv and he was sort of telling us what was going on but we didn't i didn't get to watch that game i just sort of knew what had happened so it was kind of anticlimactic but it almost felt like game six was like was like we won the world series that night so
0: yeah locked it up but thank goodness for that piano player huh yeah, that's right. <laughs> now I've seen um I've seen a few pictures. You and your son go to a bunch of games, right? I saw you guys in Arizona last year on Twitter.
1: Yes, that's right. My son Will's. He's twenty three. Uh, he was born in Los Angeles, and uh, I very, very consciously, uh, what's the word? groomed him i guess <laughs> i would just watch mets on tv you know i had i have a, a direct tv or dish so i would just watch the mets games um i never liked the dodgers uh so i did never never got into the dodgers i would go see the mets when they come to play the dodgers at dodger stadium but i was never a fan of dodger stadium i just saw a thing i was watching baseball night in new york yesterday where steve gulp said that dodger stadium is his favorite stadium aside from city field and not. I think if you only come in like once a year, maybe it's great. But the rest of the time, it's really, it's terrible. I think Dodger Stadium is awful. It's so hard to get there. The driving is terrible. The parking is ridiculous. They're fixing the way you get into the ballpark now because it, 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 uh, they're adding like a new main entrance where you can come in and like go to any level from where you are. But before this, it had to be a thing where depending on where you were sitting, you had to walk like all the way around to the one side or the other and, really complicated, and I just, I've never liked it. So anyway, uh, so (laughs) I got him into the Mets, but I felt bad because he was born in 97. So uh, his first game he kind of remembers watching uh, with me was uh, game six of the, um, you know, the the Andy Chavez game in the NLCS uh, because we were having a Halloween party that, that night for him and his buddies, his school buddies, so he was only he was eight or nine years old and he remembers watching that with me and then then he started to get into it and then we would go to games and he loves to travel uh he's a train buff so we would take big train rides and and we included baseball into that so we would take a big train ride to uh you know chicago and go see wrigley field or go see the, the white Sox. and then uh, you know we've been to a lot of the ballparks around and we try to follow the mets around wherever we can we've seen the Mets play in san francisco we've seen them play in like uh, phoenix like you said and uh, uh denver san diego and uh, we try to follow him around whenever we can or just to go see games so he's a big he's a big big baseball fan now which right. makes me happy and then he, he and i went to a couple of he and i went to in, in 2015 we went to um it was one of the nlcs games i guess it would have been i'm trying to remember that nlcs did start i think it started in new york and then yeah, they ended it started it?
0: in new york finished in chicago it was game. Yeah,
1: was I think it was game two of the of that four game sweep. So uh, I remember how cold it was. It was like thirty two degrees or something. Uh, and then he couldn't come out the next time. But then, but then when the World Series happened, I was able to come out and I got some tickets to see. Uh, I saw both game four and five of the twenty fifteen World Series. Both very bitter, <laughs> bitter games. But uh, whatever.
0: Hey, yeah, it is what it is. It was a. It wasn't quite a high water mark, but um. It was a memorable season. We'll give it that. But that must have been a an exciting time for you. The Mets are doing well, and you're. I guess you're, you guys were just uh, getting ready to release the first season of F is for Family around that time, right?
1: Correct. Right. We came out in December of 2015. First season of F is for Family. That's correct. So, yeah, it was such a thrill. I mean, that whole the whole time was exciting, and then the, for the that the, that the Mets were getting into the playoffs, and because uh, I mean, it seems I remember I have such vivid memories of how how badly the season was going. Uh, And then there was that, that rainy game where they got killed by the Padres. I think, you know, when the Padres came back.
0: Yeah. After the rain delay.
1: Yep. Around the trade deadline. And it was like, that's it season over. Forget it. And then the next day they got Cespedes. It feels like, and then there was that, um, the whole thing with um, Wilmer Flores and all that. And then suddenly they got Cespedes and suddenly Cespedes is on fire and things are getting, things are getting exciting. And I have a huge great memory of that of that thing is that uh, another thing I shared with my son is that he and I and a friend of his took a trip up to Seattle on Labor Day weekend uh, of that year to visit, look at colleges. And uh, so we came back, we were on the plane, we were on like a, I forget whatever, Delta or somebody. So we were able to get the game, the Mets versus Nationals game was on TV. It must have been on maybe on MLB channel or on ESPN or somehow we were able to get it on the plane, and that was the, the game where they had that big comeback against the Nationals with David. That iconic now you know picture of David Wright scoring and like pumping his fist and everything. Oh, and yeah. we watched that whole game on the plane as we were as we were like flying back from Seattle to L.A. and, and um, the three of us were all crowded into this row watching the game, and getting really excited. And that, that's where it felt like okay, this is for real now. And, uh, and that
0: the best all, ever. Uh, was amazing.
1: Yeah, it was great. It was great.
0: <laughs> um, a little bit about F is for family. Uh, I, I was watching them as they were coming out. I've just restarted ooh, in the last couple of weeks. Mike, I got to tell you, this is, um, not for the faint of heart, but one of the funniest shows, more well, funniest new shows I've seen come out in a long time. And this is so good.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. It's such a labor of, of love uh, for me and for everyone who works on it. Uh, and, the opportunity to work with Bill Burr, who is not just one of the funniest people alive, but just one of the greatest guys of all time, uh, I feel so honored. And uh, he's just so brilliant and so great to work with. And we have an amazing cast and a lot of great writers. and And these are all these stories that are we're telling her. You know, have sort of taken on life of their own. But it all began with reminiscing about my own childhood and Bill's childhood. You know, and my childhood in Jersey and. There's so much of there's so much stuff in it that comes out of you know, my childhood and my neighborhood and my weird neighbors and
0: you know. <laughs> Oh but I have to ask, is Vic based on a real person?
1: Yeah, he is in a way. Um well, <laughs> my dad my dad was like Frank Murphy, my dad was a uh had a blue collar job. He he worked for a heavy construction company uh and um where he worked on like paving machines and things like that. Uh and he worked really, really hard. And then my best friend, Rick, Ricky Trumbolo is his name, and he lived the next street over, and his dad's name was Vic, and he worked for a record company uh, in New York City. He worked for a jazz a jazz label record company, and he knew, like, people in show business, and he drove a cool car. And mm-hmm. to me, I'm, wow, this guy is big time, you know, and, and he would get us tickets to go see these concerts in New York at Madison Square Garden or the Felt Forum, it used to be called. Um and so I think I always felt that my own dad kind of resented that I thought this guy was cool, um, but I did, you know. So I, I, that sort of came from that. So that's why I named that character Vic. Uh, he this the the real the real Vic Mr. Trumbull didn't look anything like our character Vic, but um, but in that way he was based on him, and that he you know that's why I had Vic. Vic works for a radio station. That he has a kind of a showbiz cool job that people think is cool, and that the father the Frank thinks is he's a poser or whatever
0: and it's Sam Rockwell and he's just he always tickles my uh my my funny bone he's just so funny man he's
1: great he's fantastic but the the one other character in the neighborhood that's directly based on one of my neighbors is is the creepiest neighbor of all Mr. Goomer uh (laughs) is based on one of our neighbors he I mean of course it's a cartoon so everything is amplified by like a hundred percent but he would he would walk his dog and uses uses dog walking as kind of an excuse or whatever you want to call it like a a front to um peek peek in everybody's windows and you know he sort of knew everybody's business and he would i think his wife didn't like him using the bathroom in their house so he would come by, and he would like knock on the door and ask my dad if he could use our bathroom, you know, things like that. <laughs> so, and then he did. He was a very nice man, too. But but he did. One thing that made it into the show, which he really did do, is that he would walk this dog he had, and when the dog would poop, he had, he had toilet paper, and he would wipe the dog's butt with toilet paper. That is absolutely true.
0: That is one of the strangest things I've ever heard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it, got me, it, made, it made me uh, it made me happy to sort of write that line because when you see that the, the character named Smokey, played by Michael Kenneth Williams says, that is one creepy ass motherfucker." <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, but it's so it's so much fun to do a show. It's based on a lot of it is based on you know my experience, and we have a great writing staff, and Bill of course is great. So so much of the show it comes from his experience, and um, and where's a where's a met thing? I'll say. Is that uh one of the reasons I ended up getting the job because originally you know bill bill had this idea to make a show, but he didn't quite know you know how to create a full animated series and so um they were looking for writers to work with Bill and to help develop the show with him, and that's when I came in and I had a meeting with bill, and I told this story about my dad, um which is that my dad was never a yeller or a screamer, like you know Frank is on our show uh he would have he would have his anger moments, but he would be kind of more inwardly directed and he never yelled at us, but he would take it out on weird things. So he took it out often on the TV. So anyone who's a Mets fan from a a certain age, my age, or or a little bit younger might remember that there used to be these commercials uh, during Mets games back then for uh, White Owl Cigars, where there was an actor named George Irving who would sit in a big chair usually and he'd have a cigar in his mouth and he'd say... uh, He'd say, you may not smoke White House cigars now, but if you take one puff, you will. And he'd go, because we're going to get you. And he was kind of like, that was his catchphrase, said, we're going to get you. And uh, so one day we're watching that as a rainy day and the Mets, are, you know, the Mets are playing getting rained out or whatever. And that commercial came on and my dad must have had a bad day at work the day before or whatever. But when that guy said, he goes, we're going to get you my dad more or less yelled back at the TV saying, you're not going to get me, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so I told that story to Bill Burr, and he thought it was hilarious. And he told me later, he goes, that was the story that convinced me that, you know, I was the guy to work with him on the show. Uh, so if you watch season four of Evershire Family, which is, you know, again, coming out on June 12th, you'll see that scene uh, reenacted uh, more or less exactly as it happened with Frank playing the part of my dad and me doing the voice of the, uh, the White Owl cigar guy.
0: Awesome. That's, I can't wait. Now, I, I find Frank such a great character. Um, cause just as a viewer, uh, you know, at some point I see my father. Cause he, you know, a hard worker. Um, specifically when I, I I'll put you through the fucking wall. That's, that's, like, that's <laughs> my dad's OT. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> that, so to me, now me as an adult, um, just a hard worker partnering up with my wife uh of course Frank's wife is Sue played by Laura Dern who's terrific uh and just you know it's very relatable uh I guess for someone of my age I'm 30 35 so my father was of that generation and uh you know now I'm kind of going through it myself and there's gives there's takes there's kind of you know compromises everyone's got to kind of do their part and yeah, very relatable, and uh, it, it's really funny. So it's it's a win on many levels. Oh, ways.
1: thank you. Well, yeah, that's, that's what we're going for. You know, like it's, we want to be as funny as possible, but also have it mean something and be about. You know, I get it's so it's so gratifying to hear you say that, and to, and to see other people say like they recognize their father or themselves in it, and because it's yeah, it's based on it's based on you know real life and real people, and, and as crazy as it gets, you know, we try to keep it grounded and. It based in some kind of real thing.
0: Well, it gets crazy, and uh, you know, but it it's, it has that um that that kind of old school sitcom feel to it, where there's usually um a, a happy ish ending, or at least a silver lining. And uh, yeah,
1: I mean, they love each other. They definitely yeah. love each other, even though Frank Frank yells things and says, you know, <laughs> please to the fucking wall. And he makes jokes about. There's one line that Bill pitched, which I love from a season or two ago, where he says. Like he, he forgot how many kids he had. He goes, Jesus Christ, because years ago, you know, he had polio to take one out every once in a while or a bear or whatever. <laughs> it made it easier on the parents. I mean, he doesn't really mean that. You know, he doesn't want his kids to die from polio. But that's what sometimes, you know, you say when you're frustrated. Because uh, they, ultimately they love each other very much. Um, and that always comes through. And there's always that every epi- every season at least. Has a couple of moments like that where, for all the bluster and for all the yelling and for all the like, you know, calling each other dildos or whatever, you know, <laughs> that, uh, you know it comes out that they they all really do really care about each other and and uh, and they love each other.
0: I-, I love that when Sue needs to blow off steam, she goes to the batting cages. That 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 was awesome. <laughs> I don't know. We- yeah, yeah, that
1: was great. Oh. We loved that too. That she was a good baseball player.
0: Yeah, good, great stuff. But um, and, and Mike, last we're gonna switch back to the Metro real quick. Of course, before we sure. jump off of Fs for family, everybody June twelfth on Netflix, season four. Uh, until then, catch up. You're gonna laugh a lot, trust me. Um, but Mike, what do you what do you think about the 2020 season? Are we gonna get some baseball this Mike. year?
1: I guess so. I mean, <laughs> it seems like it. Uh, I hope. I mean, I, I, I of course the main thing is for everyone to be safe and healthy, and you know. Uh, uh, if they can find a way to make it work, I think that would be great. Um, I, I didn't know it at the time, but I went to the very last Mets game so far. I was at the I was at the season open, season closing game uh, at City Field when Thomas Smith did that home run, uh, and uh, you know none of us knew then like that might be the last Mets game for a long time. But um, it, it's so great. It's such a wonderful sport. I love it so much. I love the Mets so much. I'm dying to see Pete Alonzo get back out there. I'm dying to see, you know, McNeil and everybody and J.D. Davis. and But, uh, uh, you know, we want it to be safe. We want everyone to be safe. And it'll be interesting to see if they do do it, how it works. And I know there's all different scenarios of, like, the Mets would be sort of in this division with the Yankees and the Phillies and whoever else, the Orioles and whatever, they do that. And, I mean, it'll be like a weird kind of half a season that uh, – at least they'll play, and if they're playing in empty ballparks, and it'll just be so strange, but I guess it'll be, be a, a warm thing to see. Again, the main thing is that everyone should be safe. I mean, uh, you know, ultimately, I feel, I mean, I'm I'm very, very lucky. I'm extremely, extremely fortunate and lucky that I, um, I'm able to continue working, and I know a lot of people are out of work right now, um, so I feel for them, of course, but I think the main thing is you just want everybody to be safe. And, you know, and if it meant that there was no baseball for a whole season, but it meant that like the worst thing would be like if they started playing again and, and anybody, anybody got sick or, or got really sick from it, you know, that, I think that, I'm not sure that would be worth it or not, you know? So I I hope they can do it in a way that makes every, that keeps everybody safe.
0: Oh, sure. And I think, you know, I think everyone's right to a certain extent that baseball will, boost morale or make every let everybody feel a little bit of normalcy or at least those who are interested. But, um, yeah, you have to, you have to really kind of walk that line and, um, yeah, you have to hope they're going to put health and safety at the forefront. And, um, yeah, just if it goes off without a hitch, great. Uh, any baseball is good baseball at this point. That's what I keep telling myself.
1: Although it's been, it's been fun to watch all the old games. Although I will say, and I don't understand the, 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 um, complexities of how cable TV packages or whatever are put together. But uh, I have direct TV, so I'm able to get SNY. And during the season, I watch all the games on SNY, and I also get, like, the direct TV MLB package. So if the Mets are playing on Channel 11, I get to watch those games. Um, but whenever the, whenever the Dodgers – whenever the Mets would play the Dodgers, the Dodgers play the Mets, those games would be blacked out because of the Dodgers channel. Oh, yeah. Um, and – but now – when they're when SNY is replaying like all the World Series games and everything, those games are blacked out <laughs> like as if they're like happening now. I don't know. I'm not able to watch it, so I'll watch Baseball Night in New York and they will go like, and now we take you to Game Four of the 1986 World Series, and then it goes, this game is blacked out. So I'm not able to see them, and it makes me really upset. So uh, I have to get my fill of Mets old Mets games whenever they show up on the MLB channel.
0: Well, check out YouTube. There's a ton of uh, they put a ton of old games on the MLB. Um- no,
1: that's true. That's true. And, and they're doing this thing tomorrow night, right? This thing on Saturday. I I'm not sure when your podcast is going to air, but uh they're doing this thing on Facebook, you know, this Facebook Watch. Did you know about that? Where they're going to watch the Game 6 of the 86 World Series with like a bunch of the players.
0: I did. I saw uh, that bouncing around. That should be exciting.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll be able to see that, I guess. So, I'll be
0: looking <laughs> Hope so. Hope so. Well, Mike, I think that's all I got on my end, man. Thank you so much for coming on. This was a blast. Sure.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Anytime. Thank you so much, Tim. This is great.
0: Excellent, man. And everybody, again, F for Family Season 4 is out June 12th on Netflix. As I was saying, catch up on it before that comes out. Um, Mike, everyone can find you on Twitter. That's uh, Mike Price in L.A., correct?
1: That's correct. That's my Twitter handle. And I also uh, I kind of administrate another Twitter thing just for F for Family, which is uh, F-I-F-F Netflix, which is basically all kinds of inside dope and, like, pictures and things like that. Uh, so if you're interested in episode family, you might want to follow that one too.
0: Excellent. Well, Mike, um, again, thanks so much. Please, please be safe as we uh, continue on. And and once uh, once things get going, we'll have you back on. We'll get a little uh, recap on the season, on the Mets and on episode family.
1: You got it. That would be great. Thank you.
0: All right. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Let's go Mets. Mike, thanks again. We'll see you soon, bud.